Hello everyone and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, we're going to be talking a lot about the 2024 presidential election and what Republicans and Democrats need to do if they want their side to win. I'm Drew Bennett and you're listening to the Drew View. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for coming back for another week of episodes. This week is a pretty important week because this week is my last week of high school, which is pretty crazy. But after this week, I'm going to be done with high school. And so moving forward, you're going to see hopefully a big, uh, like a drastic, drastic uh, increase in just the overall quality of my episodes because I'm going to have more time to record them, more time to put into them, more time to kind of gather my thoughts together. I'm going to have some episodes pre-recorded. It's all going to be good. I'm really excited. I can put a lot more time into it once school is over, but that leads me into my question of the day. So the question of the day is, And this isn't necessarily a right or wrong question. This is kind of more of a how many question. But so far, out of the major candidates that have declared, there are five main Republicans who have declared that they're running in 2024 and have registered. And there are three Democrats who have declared and registered that they're going to run for president in 2024. So out of those eight combined, how many of them can you name? So the question is, how many of the eight candidates who are the most popular ones running under the Democratic and Republican Party can you name? I will get to that answer at the end of the episode. So the place that I got my idea for this episode, I was watching a YouTube video from one of my uh, you, one of the YouTube channels that I enjoy watching. It's Red Eagle Politics. I would in- Uh, I would just say anyone who is interested in kind of what I would call electoral politics or the news uh, more in terms of politics and elections more than anything else, I'd say go check him out. He's a really cool guy. He's a right wing. Uh, He's a right wing conservative. I would say he's a big Trumper. So just be ready for that. But he made a video that I thought was pretty interesting, and it was keys for Republicans to win in 2024. Like, what are the things Republicans need to do? And what I think I'm going to be doing in this episode is I'm going to be bouncing a lot of ideas off of him in that, but I'm also going to be going over things that each party can do if they want to win in 2024. So we're going to go like one and one. So we'll say one Republican thing that they need to do if they want to win in 2024. And one thing the Democratic Party needs to do if they want to win. So we're going to kind of go through and do that. And hopefully you find this very informative. All right. So the first thing, and this one is one that goes for each party, but I'm going to talk about each party specifically, but it is unite behind a candidate. So what the Republicans need to do is they have to find a candidate and it is most likely going to be Donald Trump. It could be Ron DeSantis. It could possibly be someone else, but I highly doubt it. But you have to unite behind a candidate because what's going to happen is if you have a really nasty primary 
and either Trump wins or DeSantis wins, and all of the people who supported, let's just say Trump wins, and it was really nasty, and all the people that supported DeSantis go, you know what, I'm not voting, or I'm not going to vote for Trump, I'll vote for Biden, or I just won't vote, I'll vote for a third party. Whatever they do, what happens is the Republicans are not going to win, because a lot of their voting base is going to be stripped away. So, what they have to do is unite behind a candidate, and the person who loses cannot be a sore loser. They should not try and do too many uh, below-the-belt hits like uh, President Trump is known for, doing a lot of, uh, you know, talking about a lot of personal things and going to a level that most people wouldn't. And that's just not good in terms of what's in the best interest for the party and for the country. So uniting behind a candidate is what Republicans need to do. Now, on the other end, if the Democrats want to win, one of the best things they can do is also, again, number one, unite behind a candidate. You're going to unite behind Biden. You're probably best to just not have any Democratic primary uh, debates. I think that's probably in their best interest, even though I think that there should be, uh, just because they want to put Biden up there and he sounds like an idiot anytime he goes up and speaks. And then you call into question, okay, are a lot of people going to end up voting for somebody else because they realize that the guy's incompetent? So you get into kind of an area there that gets a little murky. But I think that another thing that the Democrats can do along with this is make sure that the Republican Party does not unite. One thing that the Democrats did in 2022, I think, yeah, that was the last midterms, is they invested a lot of money in supporting the more radical candidate. They wanted to do this because if they supported the more radical candidate, they thought that they could beat them. Now, what they're going to do here, instead of supporting the more radical candidate, they'll just do whatever they can to make the primary debate in the primaries very, very divisive. They'll try to support DeSantis in this way and Trump in that way, and it'll try and get, uh, you know, very nasty. And that is probably their goal. And that's actually probably in their best interest, because if they can divide the Republican Party, that is going to help them. Now, the next thing that Republicans have to do, they really have to do a better job on this, is they need to get over the fact that our election system is broken. Even though it's hard to just ignore that, you have to work within it in order to be able to change it. This is especially to Donald Trump, because if you consistently talk about how the election was rigged, you get a lot of people upset and you get a lot of people like, okay, lay off of that. We don't need to hear about that anymore. And eventually they just say, you know what? I can't do it anymore. Talk about something more relevant. And they get annoyed and they stop listening. I think that needs to go. And what needs to happen is you have to work within no voter ID, uh, month-long elections, uh, you know, that take months and months to get the results, and all of these different aspects that are, uh, I think, pretty damaging to our country in general, but you have to work with this mail-in voting and these ballot harvesting measures and all of these different things. You have to work within them in order to get in office and then change them if that's what your goal is, because you cannot just say, oh, it's rigged. It's, it's, you know, it's set up against me because that won't get you anywhere. That's not going to change any policy. In fact, that's going to make them want to embrace it more. 
So what you have to do is you really, really have to make sure that you use whatever measures you can, get more people out to vote, have them vote early if they have to, whatever you need to do. Just make sure that you're getting your people out there, you're getting them to vote, and you're working within the boundaries that have been set in order to get in office and then change the election laws to make them better fit you and your party. But what you cannot do is simply talk about how rigged it is and how it's rigged against you and they are trying to get you to lose because that is the point of electoral politics. Now, for the Democrats, what they need to do is they need to continue to use these better than Republicans. What they need to do is they need to make sure that they're getting all their people voting early, that that they are doing mail-in voting, and at the rather as a last option, then have people vote in person. Because what you want to do is you want to get Republicans flustered. You want to have Republicans behind by a big margin going into election day, because a lot of states will kind of look at this data and they'll be able to say, okay, out of the people who voted early, this is how many Republicans and this is how many Democrats. And if you make it look, the Democratic Party can make it look like they have an insurmountable lead, a lead that is incapable of being beaten, then a lot of Republicans will stay home and say, forget about it. Now, I think that's the Democrats' best thing, is to get as many people as they can voting early and voting ahead of time, because Republicans hate it, they rail against it, but that's what's going to be the fuel that continues to stoke their fire. Now, thirdly, this is something that I think is very, very important for Republicans, and I don't know of many that have actually learned this other than Uh, You know, I actually don't know if there's a single candidate out there that is embracing some of these. But what I would say is you need to stop looking divisive and you need to articulate your points better. Now, what do I mean by that? Stop looking divisive and articulate your points. So what I mean by stop looking divisive is that there are a lot of situations in which Republicans, they have almost no backbone on issues And then they get backed into a corner where they say, well, you just believe this, this, and this. And then that gets uh, a little clip from that gets taken out of context, used in a commercial, and that's all that's played. The biggest thing I'm thinking of right now is abortion. If you have uh, no backbone on abortion and you just say, well, I I don't know what to do about that, you know, you kind of just sway back and forth. And what ends up happening is they'll say, oh, you, you don't, or uh, rather, uh, you don't support abortion whatsoever. You don't support abortion if a mother's life is at risk. No exceptions, yada, 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 yada. But if you define your position very clearly and you state how you feel and you do it in a way in which is not politically and electorally damaging that will completely ruin your campaign, wink, wink, nod, nod, Tudor Dixon, but you have to do it in a way in which uh, you embrace the values that you believe in. So if you're pro-life, embrace that because a lot of your supporters want to hear that. Talk about what you're going to do with that. Make some changes. Talk about what you're going to do. And then most importantly, find a spot in which 
makes the most sense and that most Americans agree with. What I'm thinking of is like a heartbeat bill. It is probably not as far as you wish you could go, but it's something that is going to help you in elections. And then you have a backbone to stand on. So they can't back you into a corner and say, aha, well, you must believe this and this. And you're like, well, no, I don't really know what I believe. And then you kind of go do this back and forth and you switch it up all the time. And that's when you look not only divisive because they're able to back you into those corners, but then you look like a flip-flopper, like, oh, you tell this group this and this group this. No, find a position that is strong. So for President Trump, what he's going to have to, or you know, former President Trump, what he's going to have to do, if it's him or if it's Governor DeSanta, whoever it ends up being, what they have to do on issues like abortion, on issues like health care, what they have to do is look at it and say, okay, what do... A majority of Americans believe what a majority of Americans believe in. And do I agree with that? And if I do, how am I going to be able to mix that together in which I'm promoting an agenda that I believe is correct while also doing something that's going to help me out electorally that's not going to hurt me in terms of an election? I think that's very important. And I wish that a lot of Republicans would have learned that for the 2022 midterms. Now, the Democrats, on the other hand, what they have to do if they want to capitalize on this is they have to continue to find areas in which Republicans are weak, and they have to make sure that their positions are very clear and well-defined and very well articulated in a way in which, again, most people, or at least most people, think they agree with whether or not they actually do if you are able to turn it and twist it into a way in which people think that, oh yeah, that's something I believe in, then that is something that is going to be super beneficial to you. But I think the biggest thing you can do is find ways to back Republicans into corners. If they don't have a backbone, if they're not willing to state what their position is on abortion, on health care, on education, any of these topics... If they're just willing to go with whatever and get backed into a corner, then do that. Back them into a corner and make them answer your questions. Make them answer to their voters. And what that's going to do is it's going to make these Republicans, these squish Republicans who don't really stand for much, it's going to make them look like fools. And uh, I don't really see this happening too much with uh, the Republican presidential nominee, but there will be areas in which there are not super well-defined policies. So you have to look for those with whoever you're up against. Now, the last thing I want to hit on for the Republicans, and this is, I think, the most clear one, and it is compare records. Compare, most importantly, of course, the economy. Compare the economy under three years of President Trump that weren't affected by, as he would say, the China virus, and then take the other, uh, you know, take those three years, take the other with a grain of salt, but compare those to the years that we've seen under President Biden, compare the southern border, compare the economy, compare just overall safety and crime. There's a lot of things that you can compare that you have a winning record with. Foreign policy. Who would have thought that Biden was supposed to be this foreign policy guru Yet Donald Trump outdid him in foreign policy a millionfold. I mean, he kept 
well, I guess, kept and made peace in the Middle East. He prevented Russia from invading any other area while he was president. He kept uh, China and North Korea under control. And Biden has let almost all of that turn like disastrous, run amok. And it's just a disaster. So if he can compare those records without doing the thing where you say, oh, Biden, uh, you're mentally ill, you have dementia, you're on drugs, whatever, you know, Trump likes to do to make fun of him. Yes, he is. He does have severe dementia. You can tell that. Like, you don't have to keep going over and over that. What you have to do is just compare what actually happened. And that's why a poll came out just recently. Donald Trump is leading seven points over Biden. It's not because he is any more articulate than Biden, because, you know, while Donald Trump is obviously able to speak better than Biden, he's able to hold these rallies and make uh, people want to come to them and enjoy them. But he doesn't, uh, you know, there's nothing that I think he says that gets him any further than the things that Biden says, because a lot of Donald Trump's rhetoric is very divisive. A lot of Biden's is unifying, if you can ever understand a word that he's saying. So uh, I think that what when they get to a debate, that's when both of them kind of get harmed from that. But uh, just looking at their records, I think people can see now clearly that Donald Trump has a better record than Biden. Governor DeSantis in Florida has done a lot better than Biden has done with this country. There's so many different things for comparison that whoever the nominee is needs to be saying, especially if it's Trump, I keep saying Trump as if he's going to be like the guaranteed nominee, but I'm just assuming that he's going to be. If it is somebody else, the same thing, especially if it's Governor DeSantis. If it's somebody new, that'll be a little tougher, but all you have to do is say, well, look at what my party did under uh, you know, our leadership versus what you're doing under yours. And really, that's the biggest thing that Republicans have to drive home in 2024, because a lot of people are going to be wanting to vote for Democrats and liberals because of the promises that they make. But in practicality, were you better off under Trump or under Biden? It's very, very simple. If you're better off under one than the other, wouldn't that be the one that you vote for? That's just common sense. And on the flip side, what the Democrats have to do is they have to find excuses for a lot of it. I think one of the biggest things that they <laughs> have, they've done a good job at this. I've talked about this guy before, but Mayorkas, he is kind of in control of the southern border. He's the homeland security guy. And basically, I think what he's being used for, and I could be wrong, but I think he's going to be used for the scapegoat. Why is uh, you know, crime ramping up so bad. Oh, well, Mayorkas, why is the border such a disaster? Oh, Mayorkas, just blame him for everything. On the economy, well, that's going to be a little bit of a tougher one, but on some issues, they're going to try and find scapegoats and people to blame. But you also have to try and have reasons for why things have gone as poor as they have. A lot of it is just going to have to be them saying this nonsense of preserving democracy that nobody even understands. It's not like a tangible thing. It's just this idea of preserving democracy, whatever that means. But uh, they're going to keep having to say that because apparently 
people agree with it. And, oh, we got to codify Roe v. Wade into law. We have to make that the law of the land. And just saying those things are going to rile, you know, get your base all uh, riled up. And, and that's going to be important for getting them out to vote. So those are what I believe are the most important things Republicans and Democrats need to do if they want to win the White House in 2024. You can apply a lot of these same things to winning the House and the Senate, but I primarily focus on the White House because I think that is going to be a very, very interesting election, and it'll be very hotly contested race. I think it'll be one in which will go down in the history books as one of the most contentious ones. It'll be interesting. We're going to keep an eye on that. We're going to keep an eye on the developments and how the race is going and all of that good stuff. But that is pretty much going to do it for me for today. But before I forget, let me answer that question of the day. So the five Republicans who have declared so far are Larry Elder, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Donald Trump. And the three Democrats are Joe Biden. Robert F. Kennedy, and Marianne Williamson. So congratulations if you got all eight of those, or even if you got, I don't know, five. That's still really good. Hopefully we'll have a Talking to Teens segment tomorrow. Haven't even uh, thought that far. I've been, man, I've been stressed out about all sorts of stuff, but the year is winding down, so I'll have more time to get all my ducks in a row. It'll be all good. But I'm just going to say my closing prayer now. Dear Heavenly Father, you're a great and mighty God. I want to thank you for the fact that you love us. Thank you for the fact that I have this opportunity just to come on and speak into this microphone. And Lord, I just pray that you give me wisdom and the words that I say help the words I say be a reflection of you. To those who listen, Father, I just pray for our country, our leadership, give them wisdom, give them courage, give them bravery. Father, I just ask that uh, not our will, but your will be done in all that we do. Lord, I pray for the channel that you help grow it and help me put more time and more effort and just be able to really work on it over the summer while I have more time. And hopefully I can reach more people and just be a light of you to all of those who come on and listen. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we praise you. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for sticking around for another week and another episode of the show. You know what to do. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Share the show with your friends. I love you all. Can't wait to see you guys back here again tomorrow. But until then, stay blessed.